Bible. Don't just take for granted what I have to say. You know, follow along, read your Bible. And, you know, I used to, well, and I still do, I love to say, I love to hear those Bible pages turning. And, of course, now we live in a time where some people, you know, they have their iPads and their electronics, so I can't hear pages turning. But I still love to know that you're looking at the Word itself because we shouldn't depend on someone else to read it for us. With that in mind, Romans 5, I encourage you to stand in God's honor as I read Romans 5, 1 through 11 aloud. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now received have received reconciliation. Let's pray. Master, what a blessing, Lord. And uh, I pray as we simply look at your truth, God, that you would reveal to us the fact, Lord, that we have a hope that is triumphant. <laughs> we don't have a weak hope. We don't have a temporary hope. We have a hope that lasts forever and a hope that is triumphant in whatever the circumstances and for that, we give you praise. You are the one that we worship. You are the one we have come here to please. And you are so kind. And I pray, Father, that you might speak through the time we have left. That we might hear from you and see your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Life at times is tough. And... and when we come to Christ, we don't immediately just get it all. It, it is a time of growing and it is time of learning and, and it is a time of God teaching us. And, and I can remember when I first uh, came to Christ and I was trying to understand, you know, what, what, what that meant and, and to grow in. And of course, I'm constantly, God's teaching me. But um, I remember the first verse that I memorized it was in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I was 16 years old, and I was tempted by everything. There's peer pressure, you know. I don't want people to think I'm stupid, you know. I want people to think I'm cool, that I got it together. There's lust, you know. It's like girls, oh, there, oh, there's something, wow. You know, just Googling, you know, uh, ogling or whatever the word is. Too much technology, that Googling. Um, <laughs> anyway... Uh, you know, temptation, you know, and, and is everywhere. And so First Corinthians ten thirteen, I was reading and I said, I've got to learn that. 
in my heart. And, and so it says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide you a way out so you can stand up under it. So what's said to me is, hey, I'm not the only one being tempted. I'm not the only one going, I can't take it, Lord. Look at Ray. No, I'm not alone. God's faithful. He's not going to let me be tempted beyond what I can bear, you know, what I can stand, but he'll provide a way out. <laughs> he'll show me the way out. That's God. And I begin to understand God loves me and God will give me strength. And it was that first little picture of, of triumph, of the fact that the, the puzzle's coming together. Uh, as we looked at the first three chapters of Romans, we looked at this world system that we live in uh, apart from God and reminded of, of sin and, and our, our need for Him. And in chapter 4, we had illustrations of the fact of salvation that He has given to us in Jesus Christ. And now that we come to chapter 5, He describes a victory. He, he describes a, a joy that's, that's quiet but resilient that He gives to us in Jesus Christ. And that awesome salvation, uh, in verse 1, it says that we have been justified by faith, through faith. In other words, our past sins are forgiven. When God looks upon us, He doesn't hold against us those past sins. And then we read on and it says in verse 1 that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The picture here of Scripture Peace with God. And, and that is present tense. We're not in a fight with God. We're at peace with Him. And then in verse 9, there is the idea of that we shall be saved. Look what it tells us. It says, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? So all three Aspects of salvation, we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved, are in these verses that show us that we are triumphant. And uh, as we go through this, the first major truth here, look here in verse 2. We're called to boast, to brag on God of this great hope that we have. We are to boast in hope. Look at that verse 2, it says, Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. As I read, I discovered for, you know, if you're out in the wilderness and and, and your major storm comes in a blizzard, there's a rule of thumb called the threes. I read about my studies that said you have three hours to find shelter. It says you have three days to get water, and you have three weeks to find food. And, of course, that's not a hard rule of thumb. Oh, and also, I think there's three minutes you need air. Uh, it's not a hard rule of thumb, but the point is that those are necessary for survival. But you can't survive but seconds with no hope. We are people who need hope. Well, we, we need hope and, and not to be in, in despair And it's beautiful as we look at this section of Scripture, the hope that is shown to us in Christ Jesus. The Father plans the events of life. The Son implements the plan. And the Holy Spirit gives us power in order to live that plan. Look at verse 5 as we march through here. He says, 
And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. This is the first mention in the letter to Rome of the Holy Spirit, of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Who empowers us with this hope because we understand that God's love is poured out into our hearts. He doesn't just give us a drop of hope. He doesn't even give us just a little stream. But he pours out his love into our hearts. And, and look, as he goes through the simple part of the gospel here, it's so beautiful. It, verse 6, it says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He says, you were powerless. You had no strength in and of yourself to crawl out of that hole of sin that you, that you found yourself in. You were powerless. You were helpless. You were unable to do what was needed. And it was at that moment. At that time. Christ died. For the ungodly. And it talks about the death of that love. Look at verse 7. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Hey somebody who you think worth is. Who is worth dying for. He says though for a good man. Someone might possibly dare to die. But then verse 8. What a great word from God. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He didn't wait till we cleaned up our act. He didn't wait till we looked better. Till we acted better. Till we were better. He died for us while we were still screwed up and messed up. That is the love of our God. That's the love that he's poured out into our hearts. It's that understanding that he loves me in spite of me. He loves me. And, and that is the beautiful truth that's here. And I want you to see two benefits that we see in this great section of Scripture here. Uh, the first, as it tells us there in verse 1, we have peace with God. Peace. It, it tells us down there in verse 10 that... Uh, for if when we were, we were God's enemies. It said at one point guys. We were at war with God. Because of the sinful nature. Because of sin in our lives. We were not at peace with God. But through Jesus Christ. He has provided peace. With God. It's a comfort with God. It's not a worry before God. But it's a comfort with him. Because there's peace. What a blessing, right? The second, there is an access that is given to us through His wonderful grace. Look there in verse 2. Although through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we have a firm footing. Our God has given us access, a direct way into His presence his grace, what we don't deserve, and He has just poured it out to us. It's, it's, it's not just an occasional visit to the King. It's, it's not just like you stand in line for once in life in order to view His face or, or to see Him from a distance. It's not like that at all. It's not a temporal discovery. It's a safe place. It, it is a blessing where we are privileged to live in the palace. We are secure. We do not fall in and out of grace. We stand in it. We live in it. It is the habitual place where we dwell. What, what a great blessing that, that He gives to us, guys. Um, 
we go over to chapter 8. I love how Romans chapter 8 ends, you know. It's great. It ends, it says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that great? Hey, nothing can separate us from God. It's not a matter of how tight I hang on to Him. It's a matter of fact, He's hanging on to me. Isn't that good? Hey, that's, that, that, that's the blessing that, that we have. Second, He calls us to glory in our sufferings. Look here in verses 3 and 4. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know suffering produces character, perseverance. I mean, produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and, and character produces hope. God is at work in us. God is, is making something of us. It says that suffering, it's, it's not unnecessary. That suffering is not wasted. But God is giving us that perseverance. He's given us that strength to keep going on. And, and that makes us strong. It gives us character. And that character gives us hope. And why does the hope not disappoint us? Because we see that God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And we see how He's worked. How He's sustained us. How He's led us. How He's been faithful to keep us. And we see His blessings. We see his blessings. Perseverance creates proven character. How he works in that struggle. It's beautiful how declared we are declared righteous by his blood. We are saved from his wrath. Look there again, verse 10. I had read part of earlier. It says, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life in other words we were once once we were enemies but he has brought amnesty he has he has cleared us of the crime so that when we come into his presence we are not viewed as criminals we are not viewed as enemies we are not viewed as as those who um have committed these crimes against almighty god We are called friends. We are called family. We are called His. Man, what an awesome truth that that is being communicated to us here. He's a God that, that He built the bridge so that we could come into His presence. And that bridge is Jesus Christ. And our sinfulness paid for at the cross. Now, sin wants to keep dominating us Uh and, and that's what he's talking about here in verse 10. It, um, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? The picture here is of his life at work within us. That, that life giving us strength um, so that through this yo-yo of growing close to God, of, of being feeling close to him and feeling far distant away from him, that, that he continues to work in our lives um, you know, we're so um, reinforced that, that 1 John 1, 9, and I understand because I know the mess of my life, <laughs> where in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
But it also tells us, as we're going to look at in the next chapter in Romans 6, that we don't have to be slaves to the sinful nature. But he tells us that through the Spirit of God that lives in our lives, he gives us strength to be under his control, the control of God, and not dominated, not slaves, not victims, but victorious in Christ. That, that, that he provides that for us. And, and you know, there's that yo-yo. I know sometimes we come together and we're in fellowship with one another. We sing to God. We, we hear his truth and we leave and we're like, yes, God. And then we get in the car and there's some guy that drives by and we go, you're an idiot. You know, he almost hit me. Well, you know, hey, I've been there. I've done that. And we, we need to just run back to God. I understand how fast we can move away. But the picture here is that his life within us draws us back. And he is a father that doesn't condemn but says, sit on my lap. And, and, and find that hope once again through my spirit who reigns in you. Who reigns in you. That's that sanctification. That's that work that he is able to perform. And, and then we come to verse 11. I want you to see that we are to boast. We are to boast in God himself. Look at verse 11. It says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. What a, uh, oh wait, I was in chapter 6, but that's good too, isn't it? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So we boast in God himself. I love uh, Galatians 6.14 where Paul says, may I never boast except in the cross of Christ through whom I have been crucified to the world and the world to me. Paul says, the only thing I want to I brag on is that God loved me so much He sent Christ to die for me and to provide that victory. It's not about what I accomplished. It's about what He has accomplished. And that's, Paul said, that's what I want to, that's what I want to brag about. It, it's that, that relationship that God provides, that peace that He gives, that access into His grace, that love poured out into my heart. I want other people to know that because that's where the hope is. That's where the victory lies. That's the source of the triumph. It's there. Now, uh, Philippians 3.10, in the NIV where I learned it, it says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Um, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. But I, I've put down here the Amplified. You know, it takes a sentence and does the paragraph. <laughs> you know, it's trying to get at the Greek because it's trying to give the full meaning. And sometimes in our limited English, it, it, it's just hard to get there. But, but I just want to read that. It's in, in the notes here, but just such a great translation. For my determined purpose. Man, this is what I'm determined to do. <laughs> My determined purpose is that I may know Him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him. Perceiving, recognizing, understanding the wonders of His person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may, in that same way, come to know the power outflowing from His resurrection which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share in his sufferings, has to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, 
in the host. Hey, some of you know what I'm talking about. How sweet Jesus is. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus. And, and, and maybe some of you don't, but he wants you to know. Is it life perfect? No way. And sometimes I get so aggravated with myself. You know, as someone has said, if, if I could kick the person most responsible for my problems, I couldn't sit down for a week. You know, sometimes I feel that way, but I'm so grateful that God says, you know what? I love you. Regardless of what you've done and regardless of what you're doing, that's not the way I view you. <laughs> the, the land that he gives us is that grace. Grace. Um, now, four summary points I, I close in here with. Uh, the key to rejoicing is having the right focus. The focus is no longer on about me. So what songs do I like? What kind of preaching do I like? What kind of ministries do I like? Is there something for my age group? Is there something for my stage in life? It's not about me. And God wants to, he wants to show me that he saved me from myself. And that's the wrong focus when it's all about how does this serve me? Yes, my needs need to be met, but they're to be met so that I can be his to go out and to make a difference. And it's also not about our circumstances. Sometimes we get so bogged down in our circumstances. If you only knew what I'm going through. I've been there. I get it. But that's not the focus for the victorious life. Now, secondly, the willingness to focus means having the right attitude. Boy, sometimes the attitude can stink. But the key is a right attitude. It's saying, Lord, I want this. I'm weary of this life that leaves you out, God. I want to make room for you in my life. I want to make sure that the decisions I make are in agreement with you. Because it just hurts me and other people when they're not, God. Psalm 37 verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, what's the power of that? It's delight myself in the Lord and He'll give me the lottery. No, I mean, remember how the verse speaks. He says, delight yourself where? In the Lord. And why does he give you the desires of your heart? Because your desires are for him. It's kind of like a kind of like a circle that's meant to be. And, and, and so that's the, the right attitude. The byproduct of the right attitude is triumphant joy. It's a deep abiding presence that trusts God. Man, when the focus is right and the attitude falls in line and there's an understanding I am safe in the arms of my Savior. And I can trust Him. And I'll just walk through this. And, and, and there's a joy because there's a peace that comes. And there's understanding that I have that bridge, that access into His grace, His favor. That I don't deserve, but He's chosen to give it to me. And that just brings a joy. Just a, a, a deep, deep joy. A, a triumph. That's not explainable by the world that He provides um, and then lastly, the result of triumphant joy is living above my circumstances. You know, there's an old saying where a guy, he was, he was really depressed and 
he went to a godly man who was just so full of joy. and He said, I, I need some advice. I need some help. And he goes, I'll try. And he said, you know, life is hard, but I guess under my under these circumstances, it's really not so bad. And the guy said, well, I've got a question for you. Why are you under the circumstances? That's part of your problem. Your focus, your everything is on those circumstances. You're not called to live under the circumstances. You're called to live under the blessing. That's to be your focus. That's to be your attitude. And that's what brings the joy. And that's what frees us. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to know that he's provided us with a peace. He wants us to know that there's hope for the future. He wants us to know that there's, there's power today to, to, to live in, in victory. And, and that's the grace that he provides. And, and that was given at Calvary. And hey, that's what it's about. And as I... Uh, Come to the end of this. Uh, we have a time where we say we want to respond to God. We have an altar that's open. I don't know what you guys are going through. I know a little, but not a lot. And you know some of the stuff we're going through and all that. We have an altar to come to God. And I invite you to do that. Or maybe to come before His people and to share what He's doing in your life or or a prayer need that needs to be before the body. I don't know. Or maybe he just wants you to come and say, I, I want that life that's deeper than just coming to church and leaving. Let's pray. Lord, we have come, and I'm grateful you were here. Father, as we sing before you, it's a time to let you search our hearts and our minds, and that you might be free to do business, Lord in me, and in my brothers and sisters here. What do you want to do, Lord? Do you want you want me or one of the others to come to that altar and pray? Father, do you, do you want me to make a decision right where I stand quietly and silently, but firmly? Do you want me to share with the body of believers here something? May we all ask those questions. And, Father, may you work because, as I said, it's not about me. It's about you. So may this time be yours. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Just stand.